I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast, and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. And today, I have the subject matter for our article today, none other than Sean Latimer. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. How did you feel about this article that I called DIY-yay-yay? <laughs> it took me a couple glances to figure out what it actually meant, but I think I understand the premise. Okay, so if you read the article and now you're listening to the podcast, you know it's actually called DIY-yay-yay, kind of like ay-yay-yay. And uh, it's all about you, so I'm just going to zip my lips and let you tell the story. This is your article. Okay, story time. Buckle up. So, organizing my garage. Always a fun thing to do when you're a homeowner. Wait, are you doing that because you want to stay out of the house? Are you just making an excuse to be in the garage? No, but that is, for some of my neighbors who may listen to this podcast, they are, it's a pretty amazing strategy. They are in the garage all the time, tinkering, cleaning, and I think they do it so they're not having to uh, chase around little ones all day long. It gives them a little break, but no. There you go. Back to your story. We just have so much stuff, you know, little kids, like boxes and bikes and decorations, and it's just so much. So... I had to put in some more storage racks in the ceiling. And I see them at Costco. I see them at Home Depot. And I'm thinking, okay, I can do this. And uh, a friend of mine just puts them up. I was like, hey, how long did it take? He's like, oh, I had a few people help me. It took like most of an afternoon. And then I read in the directions. It says it's going to take about four hours. And I'm thinking, okay. And for you craftsmen out there, you will be proud that I did it right. You know, I didn't just like use a stud finder and start drilling holes. I put a nail on each side of the stud, made sure it was the center of the stud for each drill hole. I did it the right way. But it took a lot longer. And the, the funniest part is I will start off by saying I'm not the handiest person. I can do your basic house projects. I'm going I'm to cut you off. I'm oh, going to give okay. you some credit because you do things around the house. Like you'll, I, I remember you coming to me like, oh, yeah, I replaced the, the belt on our treadmill. And I'm like, how did you do that? And for you, it's always like, oh, yeah, I just watched this YouTube video. I took this off. I did this. So I will give you credit. You figure out a way to get things done. Thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, for the most part, I, I kind of look, it's how I assess if I'm going to do it. Uh, I look at the project and I think about how much it would cost to hire someone to do it and how much time it'll take. And then worst case, if I screw it up really bad, what's the worst that could happen? And I looked at the ceiling racks and said, okay, I, worst case scenario, I waste a day and then I have to pay someone to come fix it and they install it the right way because I mess up. That was worth it. And so I'm, I'm laughing because my father-in-law he is very handy, he, and he's visiting from Hawaii, staying with us. And I also have a Hawaiian father-in-law that is very handy, yeah. and it's a joke <laughs> in our family because he comes over and like helps me hang Christmas lights because I am that bad. So he he is very handy, and he pretty much built a room in our house. He closed off the den. He did the wall, the drywall, the electrical, like everything. He's really handy. And so I could tell he loved coming out to check on me and ask me how it's going, and I think he just kind of liked watching me squirm a little bit. And uh, and every time he came out, as Trevor says in the article, how's it going? Oh, great, great. It's going great. Okay. Super, super affirming. Oh, yeah, I'm crushing this. Yeah. Just, uh, no, as you're sweating bullets in yeah. the back of your head, yeah. And then I could tell it was probably maybe two or three hours. He comes back out, and you could tell he's, like, assessing the progress, kind of, like, looking around, and there isn't much progress. And uh, But I did, you know, tr- through trial and error, I figured it out, and, and I did piece by piece. And then YouTube? Me- no, YouTube. Uh, there was a directional video, but of course, like any type, anytime you're looking at instructional videos, they'll be like, okay, the video is only maybe 30 minutes long. You're thinking, wow, 
because they say, now what you're going to do is drill all the brackets in the studs. And then it fast forwards and it's all done. Well, you don't know that that part to make sure every stud has the rack in and they're all straight can take a while. So, hey, yeah. and if YouTube, if you're listening to this right now, one complaint is my finger is too big to go back like five seconds. So oh, those yeah. videos are always so hard. Even if there's like a 15 second button, I'm like, I just need to hear this one little part on how you you'll fix go back this. like a whole minute. And exactly. You have to hear it all again. Yeah, yeah. It, it can be frustrating. But um, the moral of the story is I did get the ceiling racks up and it was kind of funny because they're supposed to hold 600 pounds. And so, of course, I hesitantly hang from it because I'm about 190 pounds. And I'm like, wait a minute. Sean Latimer is 600 pounds. I should be able to like jump on this and it shouldn't have a problem. But uh, I'm happy to say I've put stuff on it and it didn't fall out of the ceiling. So all is good. But I, it made me really think about it because I thought, wow, this was something that I, I assessed the risk, you know, worst case scenario, how much would it cost? How much time could it take? And I thought, okay, I could do this myself, right? And even if it didn't work out, you know, I wasted a Saturday, but it all worked out. It was a, a four-hour project that took about eight hours. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, and I did ask uh, another friend how long it took them, and he said it took about seven hours too, and that made me feel better because he was doing it by himself as well. But it made me think more about what we do for a living. And you mentioned in the article, you don't know what you don't know, and I would never try and put up a wall or do electrical work myself because if I screw up, one, it's probably going to cost me a lot more time and effort and energy. And two, it's going to cost a lot more money. And if I really screw something up, it, I, I can't even think about it, but it might break something permanently. And then, then I'm in real trouble. Right? Or even the worst thing, if... Or if I die. You, if you, no, <laughs> yeah. I guess that is the worst thing. No, yeah. I was going to say if you screwed something up, but you didn't know you screwed something up. Yeah. And then it surfaces later. Like if there's an electrical fire or something because I didn't do it right. So yeah, yeah so that I kind of look at it with investing and do it yourself, you don't know what you don't know. So on the surface, it might be pretty easy that, hey, I've saved money in my 401k for the past 30 years, and it's done great. So I can do this on my own. Why would I pay someone a fee every year? And you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting way to put it too, because sometimes when people kind of call in and they're, they're doing their diligence and they're, they're wanting to learn more about kind of what they would glean from being a client, Sometimes you just have to give kind of broad stroke examples um, that may or may not apply to them because there's so many different things that you do for different people. And, and I kind of made it all encompassing for some people saying, hey, if it's got a dollar sign in front of it, we give advice about it. Mm -hmm. And that means you're purchasing a car, you're refinancing debt, you're trying to figure out the best way for your child to buy a home. Whatever it might be, we do it. We do insurance. We do quarterbacking the estate plan. We take it A to Z. That's what our industry calls holistic planning, and we take it really seriously. So when you start saying things like you don't know what you don't know, it's a good way to sum it up because there's some things that will be neglected because they are not intuitive or obvious. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And it, One thing that I thought about, too, is, well, times are different. You know, 30 years ago, we didn't have the amount of information and technology available. And I think that some people that do it themselves look at that as a positive, but it's actually a negative. And I'll explain why. I think the positive is you think, I have all this research in front of me. I have more information I know what to do with. If I want to do it myself, I can just apply some time and find the executive summary and figure it out. But it's actually, I think, truly a negative because you're right. Before, when we didn't have alerts every day telling us what market movements and the only way you could really find your balance is by a statement that came once a month or once a quarter. 
it was probably much easier to not get emotional about your finances. And now I feel like it's the opposite where you can look in an app that probably has an asset aggregator and tells you uh, the movement of your total balance sheet on a daily basis. And it, it could also makes it even easier to liquidate or make changes with a few taps of a button. I think that the, that's a disadvantage for people today, especially trying to do it themselves. Yeah. And if you're a tinkerer, is that a word? A tinkerer? tinkerer yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you like to tinker and you, you like to make changes just to the fact to make changes, yeah, you can, you can definitely get yourself in trouble. And where this kind of all launched from is you and I, it kind of a, a joke around the office is that we go to lunch every day. And at lunch, we talk about work. We talk about different client situations and problem solving and strategies. And, and we're always trying to perfect our trade. Like, how could we go about this better? And we love having discussions about unique obstacles that a client is facing and how we can find unique solutions for that. And what ends up happening is you take that experience of that unique obstacle, you put it in your back pocket, and then later you're going to use that tool again. Mm-hmm. And what I kind of relate that to is if you go into somebody who is really uh, like maybe your father-in-law who is a craftsman and you open their tool bag or their uh, look at all their tools, you're going to see things you're like, what in the world is this for? And it probably has a very unique function and it it's very important if you're doing XYZ job. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't know when I would absolutely ever use this. Or, or even know what it is. There's been times where he goes, do you have one of these? And I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, there's a, a game they play at church sometimes where you get you get two or three people up there and there's like this bag and in the bag are these different objects. And one person is going to describe what this object really is and the other two are going to try to fib. But they're going to try to convince the audience that they're right. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. So like they'll pull out like a – think of a random tool or whatever and then they'll be showing the audience and they'll be like, this is what this is for. This is for hammering down a fence post and you would use it in this situation or whatever. And then the next person is going to be like, oh, no, 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 that's not what this is. This is for holding the door open when you're doing this project or this is for the – and you have to, as the audience, decipher what is that thing really do? And they're kind of usually pulling out like obscure tools or things that you haven't seen before. And that description is kind of see who could be the most persuasive and yeah. the most convincing. But it's just this idea is in finance, there is also this tool bag of all these different things that you shouldn't be expected to be familiar with because I talk about in the article, but somebody like you or I, like we spend 10 hours a day at work thinking and talking about this. We go home in our free time and we read articles about this. I wake up in the middle of the night and I take notes on my phone about this. There's a huge advantage there that I wouldn't expect a DIY investor to have that same sort of investment or even that time to be able to do that. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they have friends, they have family, they have hobbies, they have their own job. Yeah. Does it make sense? So to be able to expect it to do it on your own, and that's what launched this article is, and I don't know if you agree with me, I think we talked about it at lunch, but this idea that I actually do believe that somebody could be successful doing it on their own. I just think it would be difficult. I would think it'd be difficult to get your competency level to where it needs to be. And then the, the even more difficult part is to be able to tame your own emotions. It's a lot easier for me, Trevor Cummings, to make financial decisions for you, Sean Latimer, because it's not my money. Mm. I can act as a fiduciary and make decisions that are in your best interest, but I have an advantage over you is that I don't have that weird emotional tie that you have with your money, and that tie is almost unbreakable. Yeah, well said. 
Yeah, I think you mentioned in the article too that uh, you know when you're hammering to break the stone into two, and it takes maybe not ninety nine or nine or hundred. Well, I'll give you the background before. You, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I want to give you just a little bit, but you're, you're on the right track. This this gentleman, I think his name is James Clear. He wrote this book called Atomic Habits, and he. It, throughout the chapters in this book, he's referencing these people that have had success or these teams that have had success, and he's looking at what is the differentiator. And what he finds, it's all these tiny little habits of what they do that differentiates themselves from their competition. So one chapter, he writes about the San Antonio Spurs, which I reference, hey, growing up, that was my favorite team because I love the Admiral. I love David Robinson, my favorite player. I loved watching the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they had Sean Elliott, Avery Bradley. Uh, uh, they uh, eventually got um, Duncan Robinson? No, uh, Tim Duncan. Tim Sorry, Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> my brain's not working. Uh, so it was just an amazing team. Anyway, over the last two decades, one of the most successful basketball teams. And if you're walking out of their locker room, and James Clear, the author of this book, kind of writes – the interviews he did with them, and when you walk out of the locker room, you see this quote on the wall, and it says, When nothing seems to help, I go and look at the stone cutter, hammering away at this rock. Perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack is showing in it, yet at a hundred and first blow, it'll split in two, and I know it was not that last blow that did it, but all that had gone before. And it's just the idea that, like, oh, that's life right? You get these tiny marginal habits or differences and you add them up together and they compound to make a really big difference. And that's exactly what a financial plan is and does. It Normally it's very small movements or changes, but over the course of time really move the needle for a client. Exactly. And I, I kind of have to remind clients of that sometime or a, a prospective client when I'm looking at something to kind of say, hey, this thing I'm recommending right now, it will not make or break your plan. There's a fork in the road. You could do this or not do this. But guess what? Both ways you will get to quote unquote success, right? What I'm trying to do as a financial advisor is I'm trying to make those little marginal differences, right? I'm trying to figure out how do I make this more cost effective? How do I make this more tax efficient? How can I enhance the returns here without taking on more risk than somebody would be willing to tolerate? And as you do those little adjustments along the way, we know how compounding works they will make big, big differences in the long run. Some of those differences will equate to a larger nest egg in the future. Some of those differences will equate to a, an income stream that allows somebody to be more comforted knowing that they have a paycheck coming a month. It's different based on the client and it's tailored to their specific situation. I would say the DIY investor is going to be challenged because they're not going to have enough tools in the tool belt to do those small modifications that will make that big difference in the long run. And it's the same reason that me and you, basketball weekend warriors, can't jump on the court with the Spurs, right? Because those guys spend 10 hours a day working at their craft. Then they eat, sleep, and dream basketball. They have a huge advantage over somebody that's just trying to show up on the court and compete with them. And maybe a little bit more talent, but I mean. And a little bit more height. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you were in this room right now, you would know that Trevor Cummings is five foot seven, which <laughs> that vertical challenge uh, makes it difficult in a sport like basketball. Although I love the game. It is a lot of fun. So, and you mentioned this in the article as well. Um, having someone help you or hiring a professional, does that mean that you just hands off and never look at it? Yeah. So in the article, I said, heavens no. I, I absolutely don't believe that. I think um, we all have a preference of, I guess, the 
client we like to work with. And there's a, a kind of an old saying in the industry that your your clients are a reflection of kind of who you are. I'm somebody that likes to understand the why behind the what, and I want to understand the reasoning. So my preference, and I believe this is your preference too, but I, I like it when clients are very engaged. One unique thing about the Monson Group is we create a lot of content that leads to a lot of conversations, and we want our clients to be intellectually curious. We want to give them the freedom to do whatever they want to do, and we want them to have the trust knowing that we're acting in their best interest. But when it comes to meeting at whatever frequency we meet, we want them to be engaged and ask the questions that are on their mind and be able to, I don't know the right word, but in a sense kind of collaborate and look at, hey, this is how we're crafting the plan and here's the reasoning. Here's all the unique features about your financial situation and that's why we did X, Y, and Z. I love that. When somebody's disengaged, it's not my preference because I like to have those conversations and I like to talk about how something was created just for them. And typically when they're more engaged, you identify different ways to help them as well. Yeah, exactly. In those conversations, you might be talking to somebody and they might tell you, hey, you know, my son, Bob or Sam or whoever it is, you know, they are excited because they graduated college, they're getting married, and now they're going to kind of move on and, and purchase their first house. And that's a good opportunity for you to say, awesome. You know what we do for our clients? We help their children figure out the best way to go about purchasing that new house. Where do they want to live? How do they want to finance it? What considerations should they make? And we'll walk them through that. We want to do those things. We want to be fully engaged in a client's life on anything that has a dollar sign in front of it. And, and I think that will be troubling for the DIY investor because I think from the sidelines, like if you're watching the game of basketball and you don't know the game, right? You might be like, this is silly. You just put the ball in the hoop. Is there much more than that, right? But if you're into the game, you understand the strategies, the dance, how it all goes along, yeah. and you understand it's much more complicated than just like, hey, silly, just go put that basketball yeah. inside the hoop. And I think it's natural for a DIY investor to do some weekend research to kind of set up the portfolio that they want set up, get everything invested, and then go, okay, cool, let's move on and go do something else. And, and what I really try to make sure people understand is that when clients come to us, there really is two services that we're providing and we want to provide them at the highest level. And one of those is investment management, which is, I think, very obvious for the DIY investor. But the financial planning side, I, I don't see a lot of people get into that. And understanding, hey, how do taxes factor into this? Um, I have a desire for this money to be left to who? And how does it go about? And for the state that I live in, what are the probate laws? And how does that work? If something was to happen to me, is there some sort of insurance that I have to cover to protect my family? Those questions matter a lot. And those will not be, again, as intuitive or obvious for a DIY investor. They might just set up the investment portfolio and say, hey, job's done, put a cap on it. Mm -hmm. Well said. And one last thing I'll, I'll say about you know, do-it-yourself investors is sometimes they get a little bit of anxiety about uh, letting go of the control because they almost feel like because we actively manage the portfolio on their behalf that because they're not involved in the process at all, that they hand over the reins and what we say goes. And it's not true. We build an allocation together based off of their risk tolerance and based off of their plan. And I, I, what I've found is a lot of people that have done it themselves in the past, they get a, a sense of relief 
once we do put together a plan and then create an allocation because it makes a lot more sense. It's not just them shooting from the hip and hoping that it works out. Yeah, definitely. And the great thing is when people hire us on board is we are coming in and I'll try to analogize it to kind of what you experienced. If you hired somebody to to put that rack up in your garage, there's nothing wrong with you sitting out there and watching. It's your garage. They're building this piece to fit your needs and you can watch how they construct it and how they do it. You can ask questions at some level. You could be annoying. So there's probably some balance there, but that's what we do, right? We operate as a fiduciary. Uh, A majority of our clients might have their assets at a custodian like Fidelity and it's their account. They can go see the transactions. Um, Anything that happens, they can shoot an email and say, Hey, why'd you go about doing this? What was the reason for this? We send an email out to clients only every Wednesday, highlighting portfolio changes and our reasoning and kind of the research behind the companies they own. So we are giving people or creating an environment where they can be very engaged. And for that very reason, that's why we serve so many people that are retired from the industry, that spent 30 years on a fixed income desk or that are retired certified financial planner because we create that environment where they can stay engaged and they can satiate that intellectual curiosity. Isn't that the best compliment too, when someone who's done this for 30 years picks us? Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Well, it is. It I, is. I, I, I love yeah. that feeling. <laughs> I, I love it too. But I was trying to think like, it's like, I mean, if a, if a heart surgeon needs to work on his own heart, I, I'm sure it feels pretty good if you're the surgeon that he picks, right. right? That he looks at you as kind of a peer and says, you're the best at your trade and I want you working on my heart. Now that's a lot of trust. Yeah. And one of the things I mentioned in the article is you told me at lunch about this idea of, hey, you should write this article. And at first I was like, hey, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll write it. I already had an idea of what I was going to write. I already had the notes and everything. And then I got a text message from a friend who basically wanted some guidance. And he was saying, hey, here are my results in November. And his results as a DIY investor were amazing. And November was also one of the best months in the last like 50 years. And his anxiety was, what do I do now? Right. And he wanted guidance like, man, I, I saw such amazing performance in November. Should I be selling everything? What should I do? And he, and he kind of wanted me to give some sort of stamp of approval. And I, I said, I, I replied in jest a little bit, but the answer was serious. I, I basically said, if I was you, I'd hire an advisor and then go have fun. And I wrote an article that you reading that might feel like, oh, that's such a canned financial advisor answer. And I want to tell you, no, that's like my heartfelt true answer. This is my friend. I know him personally. He has a family. He has hobbies. He has a business he owns. There's no reason he needs to be doing this. There's no reason he needs to text me and have any anxiety about it. He should hire an advisor and then go do the things that he loves. Now, should he hire any advisor? No, he should do the diligence. He should find somebody that he enjoys talking to, that he aligns with, that the cost of the service makes sense, and that it's somebody that he trusts. So is there going to be some work he has to do on his end? Absolutely. But if he finds the right person, it could be his advisor for life. And it could remove a lot of these text message questions that I'm getting. And that would be my advice to him. Again, I know it sounds like the obvious advice an advisor would give, but the heart behind it is this stuff takes a lot of time and he can use that time so many other places that I think would be worthwhile. Yeah, good point. And this, I hope that this episode doesn't sound like a commercial for us because it's definitely not our intent. Um, and when we do talk to clients, it's not about intelligence. It's not aptitude. Uh, most people 
they could learn this and they could do it themselves, but it would require a certain amount of time and effort and not just one weekend. It's in perpetuity. Yeah. And one of the things I talked about in the article is you mess up on that garage rack, eh, whatever you mess up on your financial plan has some uh, different ramifications, some different consequences. Definitely. So I'm sitting here with Sean Latimer in our new recording studio in Newport Beach, and I'm kind of looking around, seeing all the beautiful things that Jolene Bonson did in this room and admiring the work that Mr. Brian Tong did. And in the corner, there's this little quote, and I think the quote is fitting for today's discussion. And I will kind of wrap us up with this quote for, from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. You ready for the quote? I'm ready. It says, guard well your spare moments. They are like uncut diamonds. Discard them, and their value will never be known. Improve them, and they will become the brightest gem in a useful life. Don't spend your spare moments worrying about your investment portfolio. Find a trusted professional that can come alongside you. Spend more time with your family. Do the things that you love. That is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And on that note, we will end our podcast. We'll ask that you leave comments, rate the podcast. And you can reach Sean Latimer at slatimer at thebonsagroup.com, me, Trevor Cummings, at tcummings at thebonsagroup.com. And of course, we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts Thoughts on on Money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.